So I'm going to pray and ask God to bless us and bless those who are grieving hard on this day. I know there are those who this is not an easy day. So Father, in Jesus' name now we approach you humbly with thanksgiving that you've not left us as orphans, that you have not left us, Lord, as those who do not have, Lord, a father to guide us. Lord, that you have not left us to wander, Lord, alone. But instead, you've asked us to follow you, Lord, and to be guided by you. And even today, Lord, to receive you into our lives yet again. And so I pray in Jesus' name for every man here, and for every woman here, for every young person here, that, Lord, today we would make room for you. We would remember you. That, Lord, even as those who already know you, they've been walking with you, that they would say, well, maybe I forgot a thing or two. Maybe I need to remember. Maybe my heart has become bitter, or maybe I'm so exhausted that I'm not even shocked anymore at the hatred and the atrocities. And so, Lord, most of all, we surrender to you. We give you everything, and we ask, Lord, that you would have your way in our hearts, that today, Lord, would be a day of new beginnings, Lord, that you would deal with us, there's not one man, not one woman, not, young, not one young person here this morning that doesn't need something from you today. And so, Lord, we're going to go to the menu of God's word, and we're going to order freely. May you serve us now as we receive from you. Be honored in this process, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. 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 Well, Luke chapter 5, verse 5. Last week, I read all the way until verse 11. And as we jump back just a little bit, it reminds me of Thanksgiving dinner. You know Thanksgiving dinner, you fill your plate as full as you can, and then you just eat whatever tastes the best, okay? You know what it is. You, you do it. Don't look at me. You do that. You eat what tastes the best. It's Thanksgiving, and then before you're even done, you're like, you're back in line. Let's go back. That was really good. I'm going to get some more of that before I get full of this other stuff. And we went through this, but there's some stuff in here that I really think we need to go back and get in line and receive uh, some more. And so as a matter of fact, let's go back as far as verse four, just for the context. And I'm going to read it and then do a little preaching. It says, when he had stopped speaking, that's Jesus, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered. Simon had been standing in the water listening. Simon had been anticipating the end of the sermon, like some of you do that he might leave and go home and go to bed. He'd been working all night. Like, just land the plane, Jesus. Just find a spot and stop preaching. And as soon as he did, as soon as the preaching stopped, he said, Simon, let's go fishing now. <laughs> and Simon, Simon, verse 5, Simon answered and said to him, Master, okay, a little bit of humility there, but I might have been masked because now he argues. We've toiled all night and caught nothing. And I wonder if there was a pause. I wonder if Jesus just looked at him with the eyes and the gaze. Did I stutter? And I just wonder, you know, sometimes I'll ask my kids to do something and they'll give me three or four reasons why they're not or shouldn't. And I just stare at them, just hoping they'll get it, you know, before things get weird. So Peter gets it. It doesn't say there's a pause, but there may have been because Peter, Peter, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. This, by the way, is the net that he had let down previously. Okay, it didn't work. This is, by the way, the net that had also been washed and put away. Remember, they were washing their nets during the sermon and that everything had been kind of put away and all of a sudden Jesus wants to become a sport fisherman and, you know, go do stuff and everything's all tidy. And uh, sometimes the Lord calls us to do things that we don't really understand or maybe it's the Lord that he calls us to do things that we fully understand. We just don't want to do it. 
Okay, that's where the rubber meets the road. I get it, but I'm okay. We fished all night. We've already kind of cut our losses. We don't need any fish. I need to go to sleep. We don't need that. And the Lord says, I've got something for you that is going to blow your mind. And how many of you at this point in your life have toiled all night, done something for the Lord, done something for yourself? And you just settle and you're like, well, it's not the best, but it's good enough. And the Lord comes along and he begins to direct you, instruct you and say, do this now. And you're like, I don't know. I'm okay. It's fine. I'm just fine the way it is. And the Lord might instruct you, get in fellowship with others. Get in a Bible study. Join a life group. Host a life group. Lead a life group. Read the Bible. Read that book. Put down that addiction, that hobbit, that hobbit? Put down that habit or that hobby. Or put down the hobbit if you got one. Put it down. It's not good for you. And yet if you're like me, you're kind of tough. I can handle it. I can handle it. No fish in the net? I'm, I'm fine. I got some in the freezer. I'll be okay. This, this didn't work. This isn't. And the Lord, in, in, in my lack of fish, the Lord comes along and tells me what to do. And you have a decision to make. I'm okay in, in the shallows. I'm okay not going deeper. Jesus actually said that when the sower sows the seed, that there are some that grow with leaves but ultimately no fruit. And I've often wondered, does that mean that particular Christian, because they represent believers and non-believers, is that Christian gonna go to heaven even though they're choked out by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and they just don't have any fruit but they're, by God's grace they'll still get to heaven, just fruitless? And how many Christians there are in my, in my understanding that are saved? Yeah, oh, so good and yet fruitless and barren and settled into some sort of lethargy, apathy, and just okay with it. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm going to be fine. I got my one-way ticket to Hawaii. When I get there, I'm going to be homeless, but I'm going to Hawaii. You know? Where are you going to stay when you get there? I don't know. On the sand? No. And I just wonder if the Lord might even today say, hey, you're saved. This is great. Let's, get in, let's go fishing now. Let's do stuff. Let's do other stuff. Let's do more stuff. See, God's hope, to use the fruit illustration, his point in your life. John 15, Jesus said, my father's desire is that you produce fruit and more fruit and much fruit. Whoa. That's what the father's doing. And if you read John 15, there's pruning involved and there's gardening and there's things that go in and things that come out. And God says, I'm going to mess with you your whole life. Why? I want more fruit. I want more fruit for you, for heaven. This is what I do. And that's, to me, good news. Okay, it's great news. I don't want to be fruitless. I don't want to just get through life barely. I don't want to just put my clean, empty nets on the shelf and call it okay. Well, it's all right. I was fishing. Not bad. What are you talking about? You ever talk to a fisherman? How's fishing? Not bad. Did you catch anything? No. Well, no, it's very bad. It's very, very, very bad. It's very bad. And yet, it's crazy because within Peter, I like him a lot because he reminds me of you guys. <laughs> and he reminds me of me. Within Peter's this kind of built in check system, kind of this, you know, pushback. 
whatever the Lord says, whatever's right, wherever the rules are, just kind of, and it's, it's built into not just Peter, but humanity. This idea where when the line is drawn that says, don't go over their line, you're like, this line? Over the line? What happens? You know, you see the sign that says, wet paint, do not touch. Your first thought is, how wet can it be? I wonder when they did paint this. I wonder if I could take that sign down for it. It might be dry by now, and you touch it. If you didn't touch it outwardly, you touched it inwardly. I know you did. This is how we're born. Okay, just so you know, we're born this way. We're born, we come out of the womb, and we're rebels, we're angry, we're mad. When babies are born, they are, their opinions are so loud. They don't, they don't approve of this whole process. Everyone's getting fired. They're, they're, if you ever see a baby that is ever born with smiles and how, how, how are yous and high fives, record that. It'll never happen. Just the inward nature comes out of these beasts. <laughs> hey, I got three. I got three. And then you tame them and you change them. Listen, each one of us, and I'm exaggerating, but the point is, God says to do something and your first fleshly reaction is why? And I don't really want to. And I'm probably not going to. This is how it is for the rest of your life. Born this way, it's your curse. It's called rebellion. It's called sin. It's called pride. You're born this way, and then you act this way. Then you get pretty good at it. Then listen. Then listen. Now listen. Then the Lord comes into your life, and he gives you his word. He says, well, here's the way. Here's the truth, and here's the life. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, and, and when the word comes into your life, you have a choice. Am I going to obey it? Am I going to believe it? Am I going to do it? And this is called Christianity. This is called maturity. This is called fruit bearing and fruit producing. This is called love. When you respond to God by saying, nevertheless, at your word, I will. The excuses, and even his excuses are good. I'm not even going to throw them too far under the bus. There is no fish in the lake right now, Jesus. I don't know what happened. This is not fish in time. This is, for a million reasons, this is a bad idea, but I'll do it. And oftentimes in our logic and even in our experience, last time I did it, it didn't work. Last time I tried to read the Bible, I fell asleep, slept for a day and a half. You know, last time I tried to serve, I got, you know, whatever. whatever. That didn't work in your logic. Here's the deal, though. Let me just put this phrase out there. Okay, when you begin to obey God's word, everything changes. It's just the way it is. And, and you've done this as Christians. You've experienced this. But some of you are stalemated. Some of you are at that point where it's like, well, I did that. But, you know, the results or whatever, I've been deceived since then. And I'm just going to do it my way. I'm, I'm cool. My nets are empty and they're clean. I'm fine. And the Lord's like, hey, let's, let's go into the deeper waters. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to be just fine. I'm going to be just fine. And I have counseled with people and I have wrestled with my own self against God's words. Say, well, I, I, I know exactly what it says. But I think I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stay the course and do it my way. <clears throat> it's just a matter of time until you're, you're fruitless, at least in that area of your life. Yet we see this picture here. Jesus laboring long with, with Peter, with Simon. And he says it so beautifully. Nevertheless, it's your word. I will let down the net. And when you begin to obey God's word, everything changes. And sometimes Jesus will just tell us to, to do things that go against our flesh just to kind of break up that fallow ground, okay? That natural rebellion that forms daily. 
And I guess my question to you is, have you again put God's word above your own life? I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm saying it is. Have you just made that decision today? Yeah. Okay. Man, I sure... And, and my strife, strife, my, my goal is to follow God's word, to apply God's word, to know God's word. That's why we study on Sundays. That's why we memorize. That's why you are supposed to be reading the Bible throughout the week, to, to know it, to then do it. Notice the contrast when Peter did it his own way the night before. Toiled all night with nothing. And you don't have to look very far, but there are dozens and hundreds this morning of people here that did it their own way for a season. Hey, I got nothing when I tried it my way. If they'd volunteer, tell us your story. Nothing, not a zip, zero, zilch. You got any scars to prove it? You betcha, you know. And you just have to ask yourself, last time you did it your way, and it cost me everything, and I got nothing. And when you decide to do it God's way, as a matter of fact, when you decide to do it God's way, look what happens. Look at verse 6. And when they had done this, <laughs> they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. Okay? This story is so funny to me. You guys know the end, right? They get to the beach, and they leave the fish. They didn't even need the fish. Somebody else got the fish. Okay? Fish sticks of Galilee started a business right there. Just, you know? The, the, the point is, though, when you do things God's way, when you obey God's word, everything starts to change. There's some old sayings that are so cliche, I rarely use them, but I will today, that if it's God's will, he, he pays the bill. Okay? Where God guides, God provides. Didn't make any sense. Let's go fishing over here. Nah, that's, that's kind of dumb, Jesus. It's not a good idea. It doesn't make any sense. It, it, it was God's will, though. Jesus said, I want to go fishing. This is what I want to do right now. This is my will. This is my purpose for you, Pete. And so at that point, God's guidance brought God's providence. God's will allowed him to then pick up the bill. And in your life, you have need for providence, and you need God to pay for you and take you where you can't go. It comes from obedience. Again, I have three kids. I love them. Love them. And when they choose to occasionally do what they're supposed to do, it is no problem, no problema whatsoever for me to take care of their needs. I love it. I love to surprise them, to bless them, to give them more than I promised to give them for deeds and chores and whatnot. So to the Lord, he says, just walk in my ways. Trust me. Trust me. And I will take care of everything that is going on in your life. Now, it's not without trial. Peter was tired. His nets were empty. Things were going against him. He had to just sit through a very lengthy sermon. Jesus had been calling him to full-time ministry, and he wasn't doing it. He was, he was on the fence going back and forth. He hadn't fully locked in. And in your life, God will direct you as well as a parent or a man or a woman or a single person to do certain things, to believe certain things, and yet there'll be trials involved. And you'll usually, sometimes, if you're not careful, use your spiritual resources to decide, am I going to do this or not? I can't really afford it. I don't have enough in my spiritual account. Where God guides, God provides. Let's go fishing. Ah, this is going to be more work and fruitless. Well, not if God's in it. God will call you to trust him in that which is impossible. Now, again, if you're like me, you're kind of just a normal person. And I don't really want to be involved in that which is impossible, you know, because it's really risky. 
I don't really want to go crazy. Let's just do the normal stuff. Let's do, let's do normal stuff and expect normal stuff. And the Lord says, boring. <laughs> when God asked Mo, Moses, hey, let my people go. Go get them. Go deliver my people. I mean, it was not easy. You remember the story? Went in there, talked to Pharaoh. He was like, yeah, yeah, I know. It's kind of weird and all, but, you know, I got I to get my people, and it's not a big deal. And he threw the snakes on the ground or, the, you know, the stick. And the whole thing, just one trial after another. Then it eventually led to the ten plagues. His, Lord, is it really your will for the children of Israel to get out of Egypt? Yep. Well, it sure has taken a while. This is crazy. And God called Mo to deliver the children of Israel. Now, my point is, is as they finally are delivered, read the story in Exodus. It's amazing. Oh, they're walking out. Moses is like, I can't believe that worked. That was crazy. And what's the very first thing he encounters with a million or more people behind him? He comes into the Red Sea. Oh, my gosh. Lord, are you for real? Lord, did you not plan this? I mean, just all the thoughts of a mere mortal. Oh, and he's looking at the people behind him like, what are we going to do, Mo? He's like, put your life jackets on. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> Talking about, you know, trying to act cool. And there is no way this is going to work. And God says, what do you got? Well, I still got the same stick. I've got the same stick I've always had. That's all you need. Put the stick in the water. Puts the stick in the water. And when he does that, all of a sudden, the miraculous happens. Again, I, I want to play it safe. I want to be cool. I don't want to do anything radical. Okay? It's too risky. God says, that's, that's not what I'm doing. I'm calling you deeper to, to a relationship with me, a relationship with others, to purpose, to living your life. And there's going to be trials. That's where I freak out. Okay, that's where I'm like, well, I don't know. There's probably going to be like Red Sea in the way. Okay, well, film it then. It's going to be awesome. Get there and film it. Write a book about it. No, they got through the Red Sea. You guys know the story. The, the waters were parted. It was a miracle, miracle of miracles. Not only did they get through to their destination, but the water came and then captured the enemy and killed them and delivered them. Amazing. Then what happened? The wilderness got real thirsty real quick. Okay, what did God do? Provided water. Well, then they got hungry real quick. God provides quail, okay? He provided a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. I need you to get this. Life's going to be tough moving forward. There's going to be trials. There's going to be days where you do it your way, empty nets, exhausted hearts. And the Lord's going to come to you every single time. Say, want to try again? Not really. I'm, I just want to take a nap. <laughs> well, let's go. Let's go. Let's do stuff. Let's try this whole communicate with your spouse thing again. Uh, I'd rather just go take a nap. <laughs> Let's try this, this service thing again. Let's try this forgiveness thing again. Let's try this bear fruit of Christianity. Let's try, we're going to bear some fruit. Well, how? What's good? There's stuff in the way, Lord. There's stuff in the way. There's always going to be stuff in the way. Always. It's a principle. One of my favorite stories. I talk about it too much. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry is when Peter was in the boat during a storm, going to die, and he sees Jesus on the water, and he's like, oh, if it be your will, bid me to come out to you. It's, let's be honest. It's really not God's will for Peter to walk on water. There's no reason for it to happen. Stay in the boat, Pete. God, though, being as crazy as he is, Jesus is like, all right, come on out. For no reason at all, except to show the power of God in a in a situation, a circumstance that's too big for reality. And so Peter, when it became God's will, 
watch this guy's gonna be crazy you know steps out of the boat onto water you guys realize that you can't walk on water right everyone got that water's not firm you just can't do it everyone okay you can't do it unless God says to do it so what has God said to do that you have said well I can't do that can't do it can't forgive can't heal can't be delivered can't walk in freedom can't can't I can't the scriptures are chocked full of what God can do what God wants to do and Peter here is getting this lesson taught to him after he's toiled all night and now receiving from God the amazing grace and provision. It's so, it's so kind of God to allow Peter the front row perspective of being the student that he one day might be the teacher. So I guess my question to you, just briefly, knowing the Holy Spirit is here, is what's God calling you to do that you have said, I can't? It, it won't happen. There is no hope. There is no resources. There is no way. Nevertheless, at your word, I will. And when you see and study stories like this, you begin to trust the Lord. It's crazy. I want to be so authentic with you guys. I want to be authentic with myself and authentic with, with God. I think that's really one of, the, one of the pleasing things about Lincoln County is there's just a lot of authenticity. We're just who we are. We're just, we're just people. And as we draw near to the Lord and understand him and trust him, I think that's why God called the disciples. They were just regular dudes. He didn't go to the Pharisees and the priests and the Sadducees and call all these other men that maybe knew more. He called normal guys, normal gals, to trust the Lord. And I love being a part of this church and just seeing what God's doing because I know he's called us right now. He's called us to the impossible. This is impossible, okay? To, to, whether you know it or not, what God is doing here is impossible. Yet he's called us to do it. He planted a church there in Lincoln County, in Newport. And what God's doing here. And I, and I want to be a part of it. I want to be right there holding the line, listening to the sermons of Jesus, listening to him, saying, we're going to go fishing now, fishing now, right now, in the boat. You want, okay, you want me? And, and listening to him and doing whatever he says. And trusting him to bring about miracles. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to be real honest. Um, you guys know that the lease ends in January here. And for the last four, maybe five years, we have been looking, anticipating, planning, drawing, predicting, community. We've been doing our best, okay? And, we're at a pl and now, <laughs> we're at a place where having done all that, my eyes are more firmly looking to the Lord than ever before, rather than what we've come up with. As a matter of fact, what we've come up with thus far, after all of that, is some clean nets. They're clean. We'll get anything in them, you know, and the Lord says, do you trust me? I, I do. I do. I do. It's going to be radical. It is going to be amazing. It's going to be biblical. And the same is true, not just on a big scale, large scale, this family, but your family. Do you know that God's heart for you is good, not evil, for a future and a hope? Oh, but I'm, I'm thirsty in the wilderness here. Okay, well, there's water. Well, I'm hot. Well, there's a cloud. Well, there's giants in the land. Pick up a rock and throw it. You know, God's very creative. <laughs> Simple faith. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. Uh, faith is the evidence of things unseen and substance of things hoped for. It's, it's faith. It's so radical. 
sets you free, makes you a, a fragrance, a, an anointing to the world around when you believe that God is able to do. So again, the big idea in this text, I'm going to keep going fast now. I've got to say some things that are practical, hopefully. Uh, when you begin to obey God, everything changes. Okay, mark, mark my words. God will be faithful to you when you do. You're really good at making excuses. We are. We just were so good. Wow. You want me to get up a little early before work and stuff and seek you? Lord, I need my beauty sleep real bad. <laughs> I haven't slept good in 38 years. You know, whatever. I, uh, what's God calling you to do? Don't make excuses. Peter did. And then he relented. <laughs> Lord, Lord, I, yeah, but I'll, I'll do it. And they put down the net and they pulled it up. Verse 6 tells us so much. I like verse 7. Here in the story, it says, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. So, so much fish. The Lord has really proven a point here. Okay, I really can provide all your needs. Not just your needs, but other people's as well. Okay, God really has a heart to bless others. He has a heart to, to expand even your blessings to share. That's what fruit is. Okay, fruit, a fruit from a tree is all, never intended for the tree itself. You'll never see an apple tree eating its own apples. Okay, it doesn't happen. <laughs> Good apple trees, though, they just, oh, fruit, come on, come get the fruit, you know, and this is happening. And so Peter's in the boat with Jesus, and he's like, James, John, Andrew, get over here. We're expanding this thing. And really, that's the heart of heaven, okay, is to see all churches expand, all churches filled. I love praying for the other churches in town. I love sharing what we have. We send our sound guys over to various churches and help them set up their sound. We've helped other churches set up their live stream equipment. We've donated equipment to other churches, more than one church in this town, just helping them, doing whatever we can. We would expect the same. And just to, to share, here, the boat, Peter could say, oh, Jesus, let's start rowing to the other side before they get our stuff. <laughs> he realizes this is, this is, this is abundant. And again, so much so, the boat began to sink, and I believe Jesus was really wanting Peter to learn this lesson. Don't argue with me, Pete. Now, you guys know Pete. He would argue with the Lord again, would he not? He would argue with the Lord his whole life. And, and I just love how Jesus called him to be the, the leader, the leader, because Peter knew how to, how to, how to sin well. Okay, don't misquote me. When Peter blew it, when Peter sinned, he always owned it. That's how you sin well, okay? If you want to be a bad sinner, that means you sin and don't own it, okay? You don't deal with it. You just keep your, that's bad. You want to be a good sinner, okay? When you blow it, when you sin, we're going to see that in verse 8. Peter sees this. He's like, oh, oh, and he sees the, 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 the glory of the Lord and the kindness of God. He'd argued and the Lord just wanted to bless him. Isn't that crazy that the Lord really just wants to bless you today? Did Peter deserve a blessing? No, nor do you. This, this is where I get it confused a lot of times. I look at my own life and I'm, am I worthy of a blessing? Well, no, not at all. Well, it's going to be a tough day then. And the Lord says, hey, just start obeying my word. Believe me, I'm going to bless you. And we argue, and sometimes even today, you might be reading God's word or hearing God's advice or knowing God's purpose, 
And yet you're wondering, does God really want to bless me? Does he just want to control me? Is he just trying to mess with me? So much fish in this net. I believe Jesus was laughing. I don't even think Jesus helped bring the net up. Just laughing. <laughs> Go ahead, Pete. Look at all these fish. It's crazy. Just, just live in this moment for a second. Never forget how much I love you, Peter. You wrestled. You pushed back. I want to bless you. And when you hear God's word next time tell you to do something, I don't know if the Lord really understands. I don't think the Lord really gets it. You know, he doesn't quite know what I need or what I'm dealing with. The Lord knows exactly what you need. He wants to fill you so full that you become the richest person spiritually and emotionally that the world has ever seen. Okay, again, I got three kids, and I, I just I, we pray for them every day. We ask God that would bless them, would keep them from the world, would just, would just fill them with a deep understanding of his riches and his love for them, that they would know, oh, I'm so blessed, I'm so loved. And the same prayer needs to be for y'all. Let me never forget. Well, the whole point of the miracle, we saw this last week, and again, we're just having Thanksgiving over it again. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, the fish, that is, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. This is the whole point of the miracle. It wasn't the abundance of fish that Peter needed so bad. It was the providence of the Lord that would ultimately melt Peter to the ground. A broken and contrite heart the Lord will not despise. Psalm 51, King David, one of his lowest of lows, worst of worsts, baddest of baddests. And yet the fruit of it, the fruit of his rebellion and his own sins, Psalm 51, was, Lord, I got to... Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. A broken and a contrite spirit. And the Lord is wanting that in you. You don't have to go through craziness to get there. As a matter of fact, this particular miracle was one of a blessing. And he saw the provision of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God, just like we're going to come to the table in a little bit and take communion. And you can say, oh, Lord, for me, you've, you've done this? And let your heart be broken once again and pliable and, and leadable and usable. That's the whole point of this miracle. Pete, I got stuff I want to do. You didn't catch any fish last night? Let's go catch a couple. Get it out of your system. Okay, then we're going to go catch men. Okay, I want you to know, I want you to get that heart of humility though. Which by the way, the humility and love and true, true contrition, not guilt and shame and tail between your legs and weirdness. Okay, that's not, that's what religion produces but a true humility with the Lord is something you need to guard and cultivate, not be ashamed of, pursue. It's what pleases the Lord and it's what opens doors for others. It's what opens doors for you to walk in ministry opportunities and just, ah, sometimes I want to be on top of my game, be, you know, Mr. Cool and got it all figured out and tough guy and, you know, I want to be that guy. I want, maybe you do too. And then the Lord says, what, who are you trying to impress? What are you trying to do? And they're like, oh, that's right, humility, gratefulness. And when you have that attitude of gratitude and humility, I, I believe that the Lord has done a work in you. Good job. Now you're, now you're usable. Let's go catch men. And it could be a blessing that comes your way, and God wants to bless you and humble you with tears. Or it could be a beating that comes your way. I go to the jail and I visit people often. And when I go there, there is occasions where the person behind the glass there, through their beating, through their punishment, has an attitude of gratitude. 
And it's amazing. I'm glad I'm here. I'm not wanting to be here, but what's happening is worth its weight in gold. And that's what the Lord was doing in Peter's life. And I don't know or even care where your humility comes from. Okay, the Bible says to humble yourself in the presence of the Lord, and he'll lift you up in due season. If you're super blessed here, you just have nothing to complain about. You can't even understand how good God has been to you. Let it produce a little bit of mist in your eyes. Thank you, God. Thank you. Or if things are difficult for you, and you've had a hard go, and you've been banged around. Psalm 51. Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation. I'm still saved. And God will do in you things. As a matter of fact, on Friday, uh, Regan Watkins shared. She talked about Cambodia. And she said, one of the cool things about going to Cambodia is that no matter who goes, you're going to go on a 10-day trip and come right back. You're not going to stay there. You're not going to become a Cambodian national. You're not going to change. You're not going to learn Cambodian. You're just going to go there and come back. One thing will happen, though. You will be wrecked at what you see. And when you come back wrecked at what you see, you are different from there on out. You have a humility, and you have a depth of understanding and an empathy and a sympathy. And just hearing her say that, I was like, that's right. When you're, when you're just humbled, okay, God can use that. Well, I think that's what's happening here, because look at verse 8. When Simon Peter sought, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish, which they had taken. Uh, in verse 9... It says, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish were taken. Not just everyone else, but he was. This is so important for you ministry-minded people. For you leaders, you moms, dads, managers, business owners, entrepreneurs, people in the front. Peter could have said, well, it's my boat. It's a pretty good boat. Not bad. It's my nets. They were clean. Those are my muscles. Those fish could have jumped out, but I pulled super hard. It was all his stuff, his boat, his nets, his muscles. Yet he, that's what it says, he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch. Peter on the front of the astonishment committee. Leaders, moms, dads, ministry-minded people, you need to be the most astonished at anything good that comes from your life whatsoever. Peter knew that it wasn't him, that it was the Lord that God had provided everything that they were enjoying at that moment. He could have taken some of the glory for himself, but instead he was astonished, and the Lord wants to use you to astonish others as well. So surrender your time and your talent. Just let him do it with you. Let him do whatever he wants to do in your life. And I, I want you to stay astonished, okay? My wife and I probably talk the, the, the most freely you know, with each other, and I share my feelings the most freely with her. And in so doing, I've shared before about what's happening here at the church and all the stuff. And, and, and she knows my insecurities and my weaknesses and who I really am more than anybody else. And she still loves me. <laughs> Miracle. And I remember one time she actually, I was confessing some, some insecurities and some, some weaknesses. And I, just, I wasn't proud of any of it. I was actually bummed all this existed. And she kind of smiled and said, I'm glad that's there. I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, on the outside, you come across as a little different sometimes. And to, to know that you really aren't that impressed with yourself, you're not that, you're not, you're, it's not a big, you know who you are. 
I said, oh, I know exactly who I am. And, and when you know exactly who you are and you know what's really going on, you too will be more astonished and more usable for the Lord moving forward. It's just, Jesus on purpose chose Peter, okay? And James and John and, and, and weirdos, okay? Tax collectors and zealots, crooks, gangsters. Hey, come with me, guys. Eventually, at the end of the day, you're not going to be impressed with yourself. I realize that. And he used them for mighty things. Just love the Lord. Let him use you. As a matter of fact, yesterday I was at my son's soccer game, and I was talking to one of my friends about the Lord just using you organically, just using your life and your, just your, your desire to love God, and God will use that authentically when you're not in it for yourself. And I don't want to embarrass him, so I'll just give you his initials. His initials are Justin Olson. He's over here on my right. <laughs> Sorry. And we were just chatting. He just shared a story. He just shared a story. He said, yeah, when, when I was at work, you know, and I just would bring my Bible and just read it during breaks, and I would pray and just kind of be kind of, this, this is who I am. And not everyone at work respected him at first, and they made nicknames for him and all the rest. But eventually, just being, just, himself. A couple of people started asking questions and a couple of people started going to church here and one made the connection down the road, said, you know what, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be going to church, just so you know. What? I didn't. I was just being, being real, being authentic. Again, verse 9, he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. Verse 10, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. I see a few things happening in verse 10 that are worth extracting before our time is up. Uh, Peter's obedience didn't just net a bunch of fish. It netted other fishermen. God called him out there. It doesn't say anybody was in the boat with him, just Peter and Jesus. We don't know. And he gets a bunch of fish by obedience. You got Anybody want that in your life? You want fruit? I do too. Well, not just that, but he netted other fishermen. These other guys now are mentioned here. They're called in this same event, and I would say it this simply, because of Peter's steps of faith in the right direction, other people were able to follow him, and our obedience or disobedience is very important. Men and women, leaders, husbands, wives, your obedience or your disobedience will cause others to rise or fall. It's just the way it is. You're lied to daily thinking that your obedience or disobedience is just about you and your relationship with God and it's not going to impact anybody else. <clears throat> Peter did the right thing. Peter got some fish. Now Peter has other fishermen too. This is important. Make a principle, parents, a principle to live by, to guide your life by, that you will do the right thing, not just for yourself and for God, but for those behind you. Notice also the commission is given in verse 10. He says, James and John and the sons of Zebedee were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. How is he going to do this effectively? With other guys, with the team. Okay, your effectivity in the Lord is going to be directly linked to who you're walking with, to who you're linked to. I'm, this is so fun. This is so exciting. We live in a small town, okay? Okay, a very small town. It's amazing. The relationships we are afforded, 
the, the foundation we have as a small community with the schools and the connections and the circles that overlap the circles. This could be so fun. Here, Peter and Jesus, big hall. Hey, Jesus, let's go big time. Get your boys. Bring them too. What? Those guys? It's a bunch of goofballs. No, they're, they're, you're going to need them, Pete. And they're going to need you. You can't do this alone. Okay? Here's a few questions. Who, who is in your team to keep you accountable to the mission of Jesus right now? Who, who's your partners? Who's the people, the men, the women that are grabbing the oar with you saying, I think you need to row harder. I think you're rowing the wrong way, bro. Are you even rowing? You know, whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ever been in a boat before? <laughs> who's your people? Last Saturday... Uh, Rory Van Wyck, our youth pastor, got married. Yeah. Amen. And they're still married. <laughs> and the Friday before was a rehearsal and a rehearsal dinner. And so we went to the tap house there. And I was at the tap house and I was talking to Will Van Wyck, Rory's older brother. He lives in Bend, Oregon. Man of God, loves the Lord. He's working over there with his wife and his family lives over there. They just moved from Texas. And he's in Bend and I was encouraging him. I said, what church are you going to? And he told me what church he's going to. And, and I warned him about Bend. I said, you know what, my friend, pastor friend of mine says, Bend is the place where ministries go to die. And he got this weird look on his face, like, ugh, you know. And I said, well, that's just what I heard. I don't know. And he asked me a question. Well, how can I, and it was later on, after some food was served, he came back to me, how, how, can, I, how can I avoid that? What do I do if I'm in Bend and it's a place where dreams go to die or ministries go to die and it's just a very affluent place. It's hard to stay focused on the Lord. It's, there's no real problems. And, you know, it's either skiing or running or biking or swimming. It's just, so, it's just so easy to not seek the Lord. And he said, what do I do? And I said, you need to find like-minded men, okay, like-minded families that will hold you accountable to the mission of Jesus Christ. What in the world are we doing here? Am I rowing right? Am I rowing at all? You need help rowing? And you stay focused together. You can't do this alone. This is so imperative because we're such a unique culture. And you may take this for granted or you may not cultivate this to its maximum potential. Because you've done all right. Yeah, you got a few nights of empty nets. No biggie. And the Lord would say, no, no, get some partners. Get some people. Pour into them. Get others to pour into you. You should always have a Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas. Okay, A Paul pouring into you, yelling at you, telling what to do. A Barnabas, your peer, working with you, kind of just doing stuff together, and a Timothy below you that you're yelling at and telling them how to do it better for their sake. He, he shows us this. And another point that comes up for Peter here, hey, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. Now, we all love Peter. We love the disciples. These guys are like the apostles. They're not the B-apostles. These guys are too legit, right? They had their marching orders, and we respect them. Here's the problem with Christianity, though. He, here, Peter is called and commissioned after his confession. Lord, depart from me. I'm a man of sinful. I'm a sinful man. Yeah, I just can't do this. Oh, nice confession. Here's your commission. Let's go. Whoa, just like that, just like that. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. Whoa. And then what? And then what? We should say, go catch men. There is a weird paradigm, paradigm or paradox. There's a, weird, there's a weird confusion in Christianity that you get saved, whew, sins forgiven. <laughs> yeah! And you get baptized. Ooh, that was cold. Then you plug into a church. Ooh, that was fun. And then you go to lunch, okay? He says, go get more now. This is, you're, you're saved to serve. You're, you're truly, that's the whole reason you're saved. 
And you who are saved from the fires of hell, you're not going, wow, whoa, thank you, Jesus. What's for lunch? No, no, thank you, Jesus. What do I do now? Go, get, go help others. There are others who are destined to hell. They are destined to burn. This is where they're going. They are unrepentant. They need love. They need the message. They need your help. Well, I hope they get it from somebody. I'm Bethany. Okay, once you get saved, baptized, and plugged into a church, you're not done. Okay? You're not, you're not done. As a matter of fact, we think that that's the goal. The reality is, is we're to partner with whatever gift you have. You're all different. Everyone's different. Okay? There's going to be a very few amount of people that ever make it to a stage in this environment and serve in this capacity. But all of us are supposed to serve in whatever capacity the Lord would allow us to serve in our places of business or where we live or where we serve or how we volunteer. All of us can make a huge impact. If we have that mentality, I'm a fisherman. Matthew 5, 16, I'm a fisherman. Let my light so shine before men that they see my good deeds and glorify my Father in heaven. Christianity is, is awesome, okay? But it needs to be seen in the way we live our lives and the way we plan our calendar, the way we spend our money, the way we navigate God's call upon us. It comes through confession, but then we see commission. Don't be afraid, he says, red letters, verse 10. From now on, you will catch men. Again, how did it go his way the night before? It didn't work. The business failed. I didn't catch any fish doing it my way. He had a choice. Okay, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit my days and my dollars, everything I got to catching fish for you, catching men for you. Last verse. I actually meant to get to verse... I'm not going to tell you, but... <laughs> I think this is very important. Sometimes I just jam through as much as I can and we get through the services. I'm about to teach the 11, then there's the 6. I sneak a nap in between there. And tomorrow there's the fleet of flowers. Just life's going on. I just really feel a burden on my heart today. That the Lord would say, don't, 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 go, no, don't go too quick in anything. The world wants you to go quick, wants you to upgrade, wants you to get a new, a, another, a different. Just move, 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 move. Cram, 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 cram. Do, 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 do. And there's just so much going on, and it's just, it's, for me, it's a problem. It's not what the Lord would have. And the Lord would have me to slow it down, and possibly you too. Look at verse 11. So when they had brought their boats, it's plural, to land, they forsook all and followed him. They had a family business here. Andrew and Peter and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, this fish, fishing company. And Jesus had labored long with them. Hey, come, come with me, guys. They'll be fine. Okay, they'll, they'll continue fishing. They'll be fine. But I've got, some, I've got something different for you. And this debunks this idea of easy believism and cheap grace just raise your hand. There's some pastors out there that say, you can't just raise your hand and get saved. Well, I, I think you can. But once you're saved, the Lord said, let's go now. Enough. Enough. Leave that stuff behind. Enough. And they forsook all and followed him. They gave everything. And while grace is free, it will cost you something. I don't know if that makes sense, Pastor. No, no, listen. It's free. 
free. The train is free, but it will cost you something. You must give up what the Lord is asking you to give up, to leave behind, to break off of, to get away from, to say no to. Oh, but I'm saved by grace, Luke. You can't yell at me. Can't pray. I know. I know. But the Lord wants you to fish for men. He wants you to be effective in your ministry moving forward. He wants you to be full in, in who you are. He wants you to land the plane because it's 1034. I'm going to have the worship team come up. So I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit in your life because you guys are real. You're the real deal. I'm not, I'm not honest. I love praying for you guys. I see your faces. I pray for you. I see your Facebook posts. I pray for you even more. <laughs> this is the real deal. It's a real battle. And the Lord's going to call you to waters. He's going to call you to trials. He's going to call you to obstacles. He's going to call you against yourself. And you're going to wrestle with him daily. I don't know, Lord. I don't know. And the Lord's going to say, it's my will. Test me. Your marriage that is falling apart, that wound that you have towards your spouse, God's calling you to forgive them. I don't know, Lord. I've tried it my way and ended up with nothing. And he says, do it my way. Do it my way. And when you decide to do it God's way and to leave all of your stuff and forsake your ways and follow God's ways, he's going to use you for his purposes. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And Lord, in Jesus' name, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would move about right now to the men and women. And you would sit, Lord, on the hearts of the men and women that are here right now in Jesus' name. And you would impact them deeply to do what you have asked them to do, even against their own will, against their own opinion, against their own rebellion, against their own sin. And in Jesus' name, may there be worship, Lord, as there is confession. And may that confession lead to commission. And may that commission lead to partnership. And may that partnership, Lord, lead to obedience. And may that obedience lead to fruit in Jesus' name. May you do it here now, Lord. I apologize myself in the areas where I have rebelled against you where I've just done it my way, empty nets, time again and time again. And I ask, Lord, for your mercy upon us as we come to the table and remember you, your blood for our sins, your body for our brokenness, and we believe in you for doing all of these things for our joy and your glory. Our sins are forgiven. We've been set free. We now get to live that way and help others along their way. Lord, bless this time. May we learn of you and may we walk with you. We do what we do now. In Jesus' name, amen.